Hello, my name is Austin Durr and welcome back to the Teacher Empowerment Summit. Today, I want to welcome Kevin Lightman to the summit. Kevin is the Director of Academic Mindset. This company was founded in partnership with Z Winning Mindset, which helps athletes to strengthen their mindsets in order to compete at their best consistently. Kevin, along with his wife, Dr. Anala Lightman, adapted the Z-Winning Mindset model to academic programming in order to help students achieve at their maximum potential in school and in life. Their curriculum, professional development, and ebook have been featured in schools across the country and around the world. His book is called Teacher's Guide to the Mental Edge. Welcome to the summit, Kevin. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, that's so great. Where are you calling in from today? I'm actually in sunny South Florida right now, which is a nice area to be at this kind of moment. Oh, that's great. I'm a little bit jealous. It's uh, not sunny here. <laughs> yeah, I've got some family in Ohio. They're talking about polar vortexes. I'm like, no, we're good over here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> polar vortexes have been the theme of the winter. Well, uh, anyway, so what school are you working in right now, Kevin? Currently, I'm at Monarch High School. I teach English to 11th and 12th graders. I teach uh, course recovery as well, uh, helping a lot of students who are in danger of failing. Okay, fantastic. So you're a current teacher. Yes, sir. That's great. But you also do professional development work on the side. How do you have time for both? Well, it's part of my mindset. Uh, we have a very clear list of priorities, my wife and I. Uh, we share a lot of the responsibilities and we're very careful about our scheduling. Uh, we've spent a lot of time just fine tuning what's really important for our family, what's important for our students, for the teachers that we're working with. And we found a good way to just balance that with our time and make sure that all of our priorities are being met. Uh, that's great. That's uh, something that we can all inspire to. Yeah. It's definitely work, but it's something that we, you know, uh, it's a constant, it's not a struggle, but it's a constant, we have to be aware of what we're doing. And we always have to remember our values as a family and, what we really want to accomplish. And as long as we keep that in the forefront, we always find time for everything. That's great. That's a, actually that right there is a really nice empowering message, um, which leads us into the big empowering message for the summit. What do you have to share with our attendees uh, today? What's your, your core empowering message? Well, I think in schools, we spend a lot of time hammering cu uh, curriculum, test prep especially. And we forget about what really makes students successful or what provides barriers to their success, which are mindset issues. Things like lack of confidence, low motivation, anxiety over testing. And if we don't address those issues, we really miss the point of how we can help these students. So to empower students and teachers alike, we really need to work on intentionally training their mindsets. As we uh, encourage that and help them grow in their mindset, everything else starts to take care of itself, the curriculum, the testing, the pressure becomes much less, the stress becomes much more manageable. So uh, to empower students and teachers, mindset training. Mindset training, yeah, absolutely. And uh, we read about that more and more these days, but some, sometimes I get the idea that people who are all about the mindset, they've always been motivated, they've always had this mindset. Is that you, like, are you the type of person that has been like super motivated and on top of it your whole life? Absolutely not. Uh, actually a funny story. So uh, I blow my students' minds every year. Uh, they look at me, they see I have glasses on, I look very presentable as an academic. Uh, 
they say, well, you must have gone to a really nice college. You must have had awesome grades. And that's when I get to tell them that I almost failed out of high school. Then I made it to college barely off of uh, waiting on a wait list. I dropped out of my first college and failed out of my second college. And when you talk about mindset, I had to do a complete 180. Uh, my mindset was horrible going into college. I didn't feel very confident in what I was doing. I didn't believe that I was smart enough to be there. Uh, and once I got in, when classes got difficult, I was waiting for that moment to confirm it for me. Like, yes, you're not smart enough. You're having trouble with this class. Of course, you're stupid. And uh, I had a lot of those feelings uh, going through my first uh, couple years of college. And I was very lucky. I found a very, very small college in Ohio that took me in uh, after I failed out. And they let me in on academic probation, which was very strict. You know, you have to maintain a certain grade level or you're out. And this is, you know, last chance university for me. And that's when I really started to switch my mindset where I had to start being intentional with it. Instead of saying, you know what, I'm not very confident. I don't feel very smart. I had to start saying, I am smart enough. And every moment that I doubt myself, I'm going to say 10 more times that I'm smart enough. And I'm going to keep reinforcing those positive values that I want to see happen. Well, it turns out I went from failing out to uh, Dean's List in my undergrad. I actually maintained a perfect 4.0 GPA in my master's degree at Florida Atlantic University. And I'm just finishing up my PhD right now. I'm at the end of my dissertation. And I could have very easily just stopped at being a college dropout. But that mindset reversal really changed my life. So I'm so passionate about this topic because, you know, I've seen it work on me and I've seen how important it was to either my success or my failure. I could have swung either way. Yeah. And that's so great. So you, and I think a lot of people can relate to this. You almost reached a point of crisis in your life where you had to change mm -hmm. uh, or because the consequences of not changing were, were worse than the struggle you would have to go through to change. Yeah. And I mean, you talk about racking up college loan debt and things like that and having to work full time while I'm going just to, you know, have an apartment just to be able to live. And here I am going, why am I wasting my time in school if I'm not succeeding? So I had to make the switch. Either I had to drop out and just focus on, you know, making my living and being content or do I want to strive for something bigger? And once I had to really face that decision, I said, you know, I want something bigger for my life. And whether I believe I can get it or not, I have to start acting like I believe. And once I flipped that switch, my whole world changed. Mm. That, that's wonderful. And so that brings us into the mindset training. I'm curious, um, is the mindset training that you uh, work on and that you teach other people, does it come from your own personal experience or have you brought in elements of, of other systems? Well, we have actually a lot going on here. So a little bit of all of the above. Um, yes, we do things from our personal experience, mine and my wife's. Uh, we also have uh, adopted the program from Z Winning Mindset, which is a sports-specific mindset training product. And they work with many sports. Their most popular one, Wrestling Mindset, is all over the nation, uh, used all the way up to the Olympic level. Uh, so we've taken uh, a lot of their program and reappropriated it to academics. But we've also built on a lot of what the current research says on things like growth mindset, uh, resilience and grit, uh, very popular academic topics nowadays. So what we're trying to do here is successfully merge the popular educational psychology theories with sports psychology and what they're doing training high level athletes. 
because really when you think about what's happening in the school with high pressure testing, with all of the stress that's associated with that, um, the pressure on teachers with accountability, it's really very similar to what you would experience in an athletic field where you're at a competition and you have to perform at your best very consistently and there are people watching you. So uh, we've been merging those programs for quite a while now and now we're very satisfied with the program that we've been rolling out. Uh, you said something that reminded me of uh, an idea of yours that I wanted to highlight, which is that uh, schools have a, place a lot of expectations on everybody in the building, both teachers and students. So there's, when you're talking about mindset training, you're not just talking about the students, you're talking about the teachers too, right? Absolutely, and even administrators. Uh, we found that really at every level, mindset training is so important and so effective. Uh, to focus in on teachers, uh, one thing that I've been working on in my dissertation is the concept of burnout. And we're losing about 40% of our new teachers from that first one to five year span. And a huge contributor to that is burnout. And most people assume burnout happens to the old teachers who have been there for you know, 30 years and now everything's changed. Well, no, it's actually happening very regularly to very new teachers who all of a sudden are put under this moment of stress, uh, extra job role pressure, and all of a sudden they're overwhelmed. And it's hard when you start in the hole because it seems like you're always digging down instead of climbing up. So to add that element of mindset training to a teacher's life, it's so crucial to help get them ready for those first five years, especially where things are the most difficult and they're not used to that pressure. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it's almost like salvaging those first year teachers is so important because that if we can get them through the, the first few years, then they'll hopefully have a long and successful career. Absolutely. And I mean, I've even gone through that where my first five years were very, very difficult and I was teaching different grade levels. I've actually gone from seventh grade all the way up to 12th grade uh, and every grade level in between. So, uh, you know, learning all the different roles and all the extras that you have to do, uh, being a coach, I coach wrestling, it's very difficult in those first five years. But once you start to hit your, uh, you know, your rhythm, it actually becomes very rewarding and satisfying. And I want to make sure teachers get to that part where your career feels satisfying and you do feel competent and ready to handle whatever does come your way. Okay, so let's dive into it then. How can we get sure. teachers to that point? Uh, can you lay out maybe the structure of your mindset training system? Absolutely. Well, we break down mindset into uh, seven different units and there are probably a million good things that go into mindset, uh, aspects of mindset but we focused on these seven high level impact uh, fields, which we start with self-knowledge. And then uh, from there we go to uh, goal setting, which obviously is very important. Uh, habits and routines. We go from there to confidence, uh, from confidence to motivation, motivation to resilience, and then at the end responsibility. And we take those seven different aspects and what's very different about mindset training is it's intentional and it's systematic. We don't say, okay, you wanna be more confident? You need to try, just go be more confident. And I think that's the trap that a lot of us fall under. I know even as a new teacher, I got that advice a lot. Uh, you know, standing in front of your students, you're teaching a lesson maybe you're not so great at. Just go be confident, act confident, you'll be fine. Well, how do I do that, right? So our program really focuses on uh, specific ways to practice aspects of confidence. 
So for instance, we might have you uh, pick a role model, identify their confidence. How do they do it? How do they exude it? What does it look like? Okay, and then we might step into what you're doing then. How can you start to exhibit some of those same behaviors? Why should you? Why do you deserve to be confident? And instead of uh, getting down on the negatives about yourself, how can you advocate for yourself? Like be a lawyer for yourself. How can you defend your case that you deserve the success that you're trying to achieve? And we keep going through these systematic programs to get you to build that confidence little by little in many different ways. And uh, a lot of where I think mindset training fails is when it's not intentional, right? And we see that all the time in schools where a principal might come over and say, you know, you need to set higher goals for yourself or, um, you know, what kind of routine do you have working with your students? But it ends there. The conversation is usually just a yes or no answer and you have to move on and try to figure it out yourself. It's much more effective when you actually have a plan and you set out to accomplish it using many different aspects of your mindset. So in a school that's using this mindset training, the curriculum that you've laid out, is it an everyday kind of thing or once a week or once a month? Or does it happen in the, in the individual classroom or is it a whole school assembly type situation? What does it look like? Well, the great thing is in different schools, we have many different things going on. Uh, the important thing is that it's consistent. And that's what we found to be the, the biggest determiner of success, right? If you're doing mindset training consistently, you are going to improve. Um, a lot of schools will do, you know, one, uh, a one per week session. Uh, I know a lot of schools now are working on like maybe a 20 minute in between classes, like a homeroom type period, mm -hmm. but they'll use that for, uh, you know, anything to improve the students' mindsets. Some are using mindfulness, some are using uh, uh, other methods, but when they take our program, they'll take, you know, one lesson per week usually and say, okay, today we're gonna work on self-knowledge. And then they start explaining to the students, self-knowledge is more than just understanding who you are, it's understanding who you are in relation to who you wanna be. And how do we start bridging that gap? What are you strong at? How are we going to continue building your strengths? What are you weak at? How do we address that regularly? And we just keep moving forward from there. So that way every week, teachers and students alike are getting that message of, oh, I can get better, and here's an actual step I can take to do it. And as they keep taking steps, of course you're gonna notice improvement. The more you notice improvement, the more confident you feel, the more you can take academic risks. Uh, we've noticed a lot of students involved in these programs, all of a sudden they start jumping to higher level classes. I'm not satisfied with regular anymore. I want honors. Maybe I want AP. I didn't believe I could do it at first, but you know what? Let me get in there and try. And once they start taking those risks, they find out, you know what? They usually excel. And if they don't, they usually learn a great lesson from it. And they're not afraid of failing anymore. And that's really what's important. Absolutely. Okay. So I want to, I want to put a scenario to you because sure. I, I think that this um, type of education is so important. Um, but I was, I think of a, a friend of mine who is a teacher in Colorado and he teaches at, in a, you would call it a rough school. It's a lot of at-risk youth at this school. And it's the type of uh, place where uh, one student uh, just likes to break calculators in math class just to, and just like look at the teacher in the eye and just break the calculator, you know, that, that sort of situation. How could a, a teacher implement this type of mindset training in a, a rough environment like that where, where the students 
uh, really just don't want to be there and actively resist? Yeah, and that's a great question. And that's actually, I'm very comfortable with that because that's what I teach, uh, you know, dealing with course recovery classes, especially you're dealing with the at-risk population at your school, uh, especially being in a city, you know, you have a lot of complicated backgrounds, you have family issues, uh, you have low socioeconomic status uh, students. Um, so yeah, mindset training is a much different approach because it's proactive. And that's what I really enjoy about this program is it doesn't wait until the moment where the calculator is broken because then it has to be punitive. Why did you do that? You can't do that. Instead, we're immediately focusing on strengths. We're immediately focusing on who do you wanna be? How can we help you get there? So now before the calculator is even broken, you've had a positive interaction with your teacher who is actively showing that not only they believe in you, but they're now giving you reason to believe in yourself. And that's something a lot of these students don't get at home or they don't get in other environments. So when you have, especially in a school that implements it uh, school-wide, well, now you might have six or seven teachers every day or every week addressing that mindset in a positive way. Here's how we can improve. Here's how we can get better. And I want to see you get better. So now as that becomes the regular basis, yeah, a calculator might still get broken. It's not going to automatically make a school perfect. However, not only will those instances become less and less, now that student has a reason to trust their teachers, to care about their teachers because the teachers are already taking that step for them. Now they don't want to break the calculator because they don't want to hurt the teacher's feelings, you know? Yeah. So mindset training is uh, that proactive approach and it, it kind of gets ahead of the problems instead of always being behind. I think a lot of teachers who are in those situations, they always feel behind in behavior issues, right? And, you know, I've been there too uh, when I first started teaching and I didn't know how to catch up because by the time you deal with one behavioral issue now another one's happening in a different side of the room and you feel like you're just running circles around the room i don't want to feel that as a teacher i want to feel ahead i want to feel confident with what i'm doing in the classroom like hey we're always moving forward now if we have to take a step back to then continue moving forward at least we've already taken a few steps that's great and having the framework of your curriculum really helps you to to do that and it eliminates the guesswork Yes. And uh, in the beginning, it was definitely a lot of guesswork where I was saying, okay, my students have low confidence. They won't speak in public. They won't stand in front of the class. Then I would do the, the bad teacher thing of, hey, go be more confident. Just give it a shot. And of course, that doesn't work. You know, you get a lot of pushback. And, you know, the teacher-student relationship is very delicate. You don't want pushback, right? You want to be almost a family environment where everybody feels safe to try because, we all feel good about what we're doing in the classroom as a whole, as a unit, not as teacher versus student, right? So as we continue this mindset training and it becomes more and more systematic, well, now that approach, I can say, wow, they have low confidence. Here are eight things I can do to start improving that confidence before I make them stand in front of the class. Now let's give it a shot and they're gonna feel a lot better about where they're at. I like it. Okay, so you mentioned, um, teachers feeling like they're behind in terms of behavior issues. What about teachers feeling like they're behind in terms of academics? Is it possible to do mindset training without falling behind or neglecting the core academics? Absolutely. Now, when you talk about a teacher's schedule, uh, obviously it depends school by school, but from what I've seen, usually you have maybe a 50 minute period every day, 40 minute period every day, 
Or in some schools, you have the larger blocks where maybe you have an hour and a half every other day, right? So you have those limited interactions and you always have that pressure of, we need to get through this test prep. We need to do this activity. We might have a standardized test to work on. Mindset training always fits. And where a lot of teachers miss out is they don't think about the time value. If I teach curriculum straight for, let's say 50 minutes, and maybe I'm a math teacher and I'm just going to hammer these concepts, are my students really going to get 50 minutes of that math concept? They're probably going to check out, right? And they might come in and out. And if I have really dedicated students, they might be there for most of the program, but they are going to zone out. They are going to check their phone on the side. They're going to have issues keeping up, even if they're legitimate, uh, legitimately trying. To take five to 10 minutes to address their mindset, to remind them to be motivated, and then get into a lesson, well, that increases the actual efficiency of your lesson. They will stay motivated longer because now they're not just remembering this math concept, they're remembering their purpose for being in school, their reason for wanting to strive for better. Then you start doing the lesson and they say, okay, now I really need to give it that extra push, even though I'm starting to get bored or uh, you know, maybe I'm not understanding and I feel confused, but I'm going to push through now because I remember that's the kind of person I want to be. I like it. So it, in the end of the day, you might have a few minutes uh, fewer at, for, uh, yep, you might have a few minutes less for academics, but the minutes that you have are more effective. Correct. And that's what we really look at is efficiency. Uh, when we talk about maximizing performance of students, we even talk about this when they're studying at home. You could study for three hours. How much are you really going to absorb from that? How much are you going to remember, especially beyond the test? Are you really learning the skill? I would much rather you spend an hour focusing on improving your mindset and another hour focusing on your academics and your core work. Now that hour that you spent is used as wisely as possible. And that's really going to stick and it's going to be more meaningful than just, I have to prepare for the test. It's going to be, I want to learn this skill and concept. I want to improve as a student and as a person. I much prefer that for my students. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I want to bring in a different element now that you mentioned in the beginning about um, sports and sports psychology. So how can that be a resource in our academics? So we talk about sports psychology and the thing that's fascinating about the difference between that and educational psychology. When you look at, uh, there are great educational researchers out there like Angela Duckworth who talks about grit. Um, we have Carol Dweck talking about growth mindset which is so beneficial for students. And I am not knocking those for a second. I think especially for new teachers, those are crucial concepts for them to learn. But the difference between that and sports psychology is the idea of improvement and growth in educational psychology versus maximizing potential in sports psychology. So we're about more than just we want to see growth. Of course we want to see growth, but we want to see absolute maximum peak performance and we want to see it with consistency. So that sports psychology attitude, uh, it actually adds in a word that I like that uh, people kind of get nervous about is aggressiveness. You don't usually hear aggressiveness in school, definitely not in a good way. But when you think about the actual definition of aggressiveness, it's not about being violent. It's about chasing down and achieving your dreams and doing that without any stop with persistence. So when I talk to my students about aggressively seeking out their goals, that's when if they don't get a concept, 
they're going to go home and Google it. If they don't get that, they're going to reach out to a mentor. They're going to find somebody who knows, and they're going to keep working, working, working until they've really mastered that concept. Now they're not just growing on a steady pattern. They're maximizing. They're doing the absolute best that they possibly can. Now that brings a lot of confidence with it and it brings more and more and more success. And it also is a, you know, another benefit when students start to fail, when, you know, things get tough, that's where that resilience starts popping in. You know, failure is just a step. Uh, once they start redefining failure and realizing that it's really a moment of future success that they just had to get through to understand and learn, you see they skyrocket. And that's really what we're about with sports psychology is uh, we want to see students hitting levels that they didn't realize that they could achieve. I really like that idea of, of uh, being aggressive in academics because well, it's so easy in, in sports when you have challenges and the challenge is very much in front of you. Yeah, like, it's physical. You see, you see the opponents and you have to do something. Um, but in academics, it's, it's so intangible. It's, it's so hard to really, sometimes it's hard to identify exactly what the challenge is that you're having. Mm -hmm. And uh, I really experienced that in my PhD exams. Uh, that's the most difficult exam I've ever taken in my life. Uh, you're talking two days to answer five questions. And, you know, it's a very intense kind of setting. There are no notes. You go in with whatever's in your head. And I was constantly saying that throughout that. I'm aggressive and relentless. I can do this. Right. And as I started typing, there were moments where I would start to get that mental block of, do I really know this? Am I really smart enough to be here? And I'd say, yes, I'm aggressive and relentless. I'm chasing this down. I'm going to get this accomplishment. And I did the best I possibly could on that test and I succeeded. But it was about that just staying aggressive and really fighting for what I want to accomplish. And when students do that, it's just, it's a whole different ballgame for them. Like I said, I was just writing down what you said about mm -hmm. I am aggressive and relentless. I'm going to start using yeah. It's great. Uh, that's when uh, they found that with wrestling mindset. And, you know, you talk to the athletes all the time and you keep telling them that I'm aggressive and relentless. Well, when they're tired, that's when they need that. It's not when they're feeling great. Everybody can be aggressive, uh, like, let's say on a wrestling mat, when you feel good and you feel like you can accomplish. But when the going gets tough and you feel tired and you still hear that in your head, you're able to push through. And that push through moment is what we need as academics on the standardized test when you're two hours in and, you know, the lines start to blur a little bit and uh, you're reading your eighth passage. That's when we need to be saying, I'm aggressive. I really want to uh, achieve this goal. I'm not stopping for anything. And that reminds us, okay, even though I'm tired, I can still push through for this. Yes. Okay. Let's, uh, let's start talking about, what steps a teacher might need to take? Say, say um, if I wanted to implement mindset training in my classroom starting tomorrow, what's mm -hmm. the first thing I should do? Well, the best thing you can do, first of all, is to know your students. Uh, every school, every classroom, every single student is very unique in what their mindset is, what their strengths and weaknesses are. And we want to start identifying that right away so you know really where your highest impact should be. For instance, I might not go into a class full of very confident students and spend 10 weeks talking about confidence. They might say, okay, I know, but I kind of already feel that way. It's a good reminder. It's good to keep them performing at their peak, but maybe they get really anxious in certain moments. 
okay, there's a problem, there's a red flag. Now that's where I wanna start working. Let's talk about anxiety. Let's talk about why we feel that way. Where is the pressure coming from? Is it from parents? Is it from teachers? Is it from yourself? Now let's work on how we can start removing that barrier. So your job really as a teacher to implement mindset training is twofold. You wanna find the, the biggest weaknesses because you obviously have to address that. And if you have behavior issues in your classroom, there are mindset issues that are causing that. Or maybe you have low grades in your classroom from students that you know are capable. Maybe there's a motivation issue. Okay, so that has to be addressed. But you also do have to look at their strengths. Where are they feeling best at with their mindset? How can I continue to improve that as well? That way your student has a feeling of growing in an aspect that they didn't think they could grow on, and they have another aspect where they already felt good and now they see it getting even better. So they have an area that they can draw from that's like, you know, it empowers them, it makes them feel great about themselves. And they have this other area that they said, wow, I never knew I could do whatever that mindset skill is. Okay, so, so I'm a teacher applying this tomorrow. Um, do I just, so do I just assume what the student's challenges are, just or kind of extrapolate, or is there some exercise I can do to help me to identify the challenges and also for the students to identify them for themselves? Well, part of the problem with uh, talking to students about this is it's very difficult for them to be honest about their own mindset. Who really wants to talk about their own weaknesses, and especially their greatest weaknesses? Here's what's worst about me, you know? Uh, some of them might volunteer that, but for the average student, uh, you might notice they're not going to open up right away, especially when it comes to something like mindset, because this is a, a more sensitive topic. It's something that, that maybe they're not used to talking about. Uh, and for many students, they've never had a teacher mention these things before. Yeah. So to start, it really does help for you to extrapolate from your own data, say, okay, here's what I'm noticing in, in the classroom. And teachers are immediately experts at this. You know what students are sleeping during class, you know what students are avoiding tasks or maybe just bubbling it in really fast because they don't believe that they can. Um, you see the students who are anxious, they're shaking when they have to go up for a presentation. So yes, you wanna to talk to your students about what they're noticing in their own mindset, but you definitely wanna pull from what you're observing as well because that's really a more truthful indicator sometimes. Once you've identified that, now it's your job to say, what skills can I work on to build up that aspect of their mindset? Right. So let's say uh, I have students who don't set goals. They show up to class and they say, you know, whatever happens, happens. I don't care if I get an A or an F. You know, I'm just going to show up and see what happens. OK, that's my hint now. We need strong goal setting. How can we start setting goals? Well, most teachers would stop at here's a piece of paper. Put your goal down on it. Write it down. Now we've got a goal. We're good to go. But we want to dive a little deeper. Let's create an action plan. What can you do every single day to lead up to the eventual completion of that goal? If you say you want an A, what do you need to do in class every single day? Now let's go even further. What do you need to do at home to support that effort that you need in school? So what do you need to do with your sleep? What do you need to do with your nutrition, your eating? Uh, can you add an exercise program that will help give you more energy so when you are in class, now that goal is much more reachable. And that's really what it is for teachers is if you wanna get started, take that extra step. I think all of us intuitively know the first step, right? Here's a problem, 
here's the solution I think, go. Well, now let's take the, the next step. How can we support them in every aspect of their life? And how many different skills can we get them to achieve to eventually reach that strong mindset in whatever area you're working on? Hmm. I, I like what you said about supporting them in every aspect of their life. Um, but that could sound a little overwhelming on the, on the one, other hand, because you know, some students have a really rough home life, right? So um, what, are, what are some ways that we can help those students that come to school carrying the weight of their home life on their shoulders? Absolutely. I've had a lot of students who they will leave school to work and they will work all night. They'll get a couple hours of sleep. They might have to watch younger siblings and then they come right back to school. I can't tell them get eight hours of sleep at night. That wouldn't be fair because they'll hear that and immediately they'll check out from me. Like this teacher doesn't understand my life. And that would be true if I said that, right? So what we're looking for is how can we improve? How can we take the situation that we are currently in and make it better, more manageable, right? So instead of saying, okay, you're getting three hours of sleep, you need eight, figure it out. We say, okay, you're getting three hours of sleep. Is there an opportunity for a nap? Is there an opportunity to uh, maybe eat an apple throughout the day or something that's fresh, uh, maybe that the school even provides for you, that will help give you a little energy boost? What can we do to make your situation better than what it is right now? And then whatever we can't control, we can't worry about it. If you know that these are your responsibilities when you leave the school and you can't fix that, you have to accept it and work as hard as you can at it to uh, you know, provide as best as you can. But whatever we can control, now let's start focusing on those issues. And you find that students, they do have a lot that's outside of their control. It's unfortunate. But they always have something in their control that we could fine tune, that we could make just a little bit better, that can really change how they do in school. I want to ask you about um, reward systems. And it's connected to what you're talking about because it, you're – you're coaching, would you use the word coaching? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay, so you're coaching students through this process, but the rewards can be a little bit intangible. And I know some schools actually implement a physical reward system in certain situations. Do you advocate anything like that? I think the best rewards are self-attained, right? So for a student, we might set up some kind of accountability system where we might have them set up rewards and punishments. And the thing that's key to rewards and punishments is we don't deal with anything that's a necessity, right? Like you don't say, I'm going to eat a giant buffet if I do well, but I'm not going to eat if I do poorly, right? We never want to talk about taking away needs or doing something like that when we talk about accountability. But when you talk about rewards, I would much rather it be regulated by the student themselves rather than imposed by me because I can't always give the reward that the student truly wants. And when they start taking ownership over that, that's a skill that they can take with them to college, to career, to the rest of their life. And we're more concerned with that than we are with just their school uh, performance. We want to see them succeed everywhere. So if a student learns that, uh, you know, maybe they love Fortnite. I know that's been the popular one lately. Um, okay, so if I do all of my homework before this hour at night, I get to play for two hours. But if I don't make it, I don't get to play at all. I need to focus on my academics. I need to make that a priority, right? When they can start regulating themselves in that way, 
now it doesn't matter if they're in school or not. And it doesn't really even matter what the goal is. It could be an academic goal. It could be an athletic goal. They now understand that they can have that nice extra when they've done their job. And when they feel like they're falling short on a goal, well, now they need to refocus their priorities to make sure that they're reaching it. Mm, okay. Is there an ideal grade level uh, for this type of mindset training? Or would you start after a certain age or before a certain age? Not necessarily. I think the younger is better. Uh, between my wife and I, we've worked with students all the way from uh, early middle school, all the way up to college and graduate level students. And you find that mindset issues happen everywhere, right? Uh, one thing we've noticed working with uh, higher level college students and uh, graduate level students the anxiety is still there and sometimes it's even more increased because the tests are bigger, the presentations are more intimidating. Uh, and instead of intimidating in front of classmates, now all of a sudden you're presenting in front of researchers and professors and people with doctor before their name, right? And that's a whole different uh, level of anxiety and pressure. So when we talk about mindset training, I don't see a level where we shouldn't have it. And obviously, uh, the language might have to change. The wording might have to change. I'm not going to talk to, you know, a first grader about high level psychological concepts, right? I might just want them to be more aware of who they are, uh, how they're performing. What does a good performance in school look like? What does a bad performance look like? How can we get more on that side of being positive and being proud of what you're doing? Whereas with a graduate level student, now we might talk about the imposter syndrome. And when you don't feel like you're smart enough to be where you are and you're intimidated by the presence of other academics. So that part of the program might change, but the idea of mindset training is really universal. Okay, great. Yeah. So it, it can work for any grade level. And I really see that. Um, let's talk a little bit more about implementation. So, um, can a, a individual teacher, um, successfully do a, a mindset program, even if no other teachers in their school are doing it? Or do they really need the support of, of administration and everybody working together? I think an individual teacher can do it. I think it's much more effective on a school-wide basis. Uh, in my school, I do it on an individual level. Uh, and, you know, as I run students through these programs and I start implementing little by little, I find that I really don't take up a lot of time in my curriculum, but I find huge gains. Uh, and those gains really come in many different uh, aspects. Uh, for instance, when I'm uh, talking to my remedial, or not my remedial, I'm sorry, my, um, my at-risk students, I have a lot who are on the verge of dropping out of high school. They're this close. They're talking to me and saying, I'm not planning on finishing. Well, a lot of them are graduating and I'm seeing that shift. So I might not be getting them from a 1.0 GPA to a 5.0 GPA, but I'm seeing that they're really taking better advantage of their time and their opportunities. And it's helping them not just in my class, but in others as well. So if a teacher wants to implement our program, what they might find is the students that they really impact are going to be impacted throughout their entire school day. It's going to go beyond just, okay, maybe they'll do better in my classroom and behave better here, but then they're going to go crazy. No, it's not about that. We're about training them for school life and everything else they're interested in. So, uh, we have teachers that are, you know, uh, doing this on an individual basis. And, you know, the reports that we're getting back is, wow, I've had students that have never shown up or have, 
uh, you know, never done well on a test, and now you see their grades are rising, their behaviors are becoming more positive, and it's starting to extend beyond just their classroom. That's really the goal. Are your teachers that you work with um, using some sort of rubric or, or way to measure uh, the student's progress? Um, not necessarily. As uh, I don't really love rubrics. I think uh, that can be uh, a buzzword for teachers that a lot of them don't like, especially when we talk about evaluations, right? Mm -hmm. So um, we don't talk so much about rubrics, but uh, we give a very methodological approach so that teachers can really take what we've learned about creating mindset programs and they can either use our program or they can start to develop their own little by little. Uh, you know, we have lesson plans that uh, come with our ebook and uh, other materials that will assist them in kind of creating their own program based on their school, the needs of their students. And what we found too is some teachers they might not want it for a whole class. They might not want to take time out of their curriculum, but they've got that one student or those couple students that they know really need that extra edge. Uh, whether the edge is we need to get them to graduate or the edge is they're on the border of getting to an Ivy League school and we need to push them really past that kind of academic barrier. Uh, and you know, either way, once they have those tools, they start kind of creating and adding to it as they see fit. And it's having a lot of success. I like that. So it's not like a, a copy and paste kind of system where the teachers just have to follow what you laid out. It's very adaptable. Correct. And, you know, we have those lessons for people that want to uh, kind of have that standard approach. Like, hey, we need to do it this way. That's okay. You can do it this way because the responses that students give are going to be varied enough to give it the diversity that you need. But for a teacher who's very innovative and says, you know what, I don't necessarily want to be told what to do. I really just want the method, right? They can have that method and say, okay, if I break my student's mindset down into this, that, and that, and I see these are my weaknesses, these are my strengths, here's how I'm going to start building those up in my students. And again, when it comes back to mindset training, I believe in our program. I think it's amazing. But for a teacher to say, I can do this in a systematic approach, they will have success. That's great. So in, how many years have you been doing this program in your, in your own teaching practice? In my own teaching practice, we've been experimenting with this for about five years. Okay. Mm -hmm. And uh, do you have any uh, success stories that you'd like to share? I've got a great one. Uh, I have a student, I'm really excited with what he was able to do this year. Uh, as I told you, I'm also a wrestling coach. Uh, so there's a young man that I've been coaching for four years and I've been running him through the mindset program little by little throughout those four years and, uh, really helping him change his mentality. And as an athlete, he's always had to work for everything he gets. He wasn't really a natural athlete, but he's a very hard worker. So now I started to see as we went through this mindset training, as we kept working on his confidence and his self-esteem and really believing in what he can accomplish, setting higher goals than what he thought he should set. Well, all of a sudden he started taking off everywhere. Uh, he's graduating this year, I believe with a five, a 4.8 GPA, 5.0, somewhere around there. Uh, you know, pretty high up there. <laughs> um, he uh, made the state level in DECA, which is an academic, uh, uh, like a club, uh, talking about marketing, those kind of things. 
He actually had a chance to make nationals in DECA. He skipped that to try to make states in wrestling, which he almost achieved. Uh, but he beat many seeds that were above him in wrestling, uh, which he was the captain of. He was the captain of the swimming team, which, again, he beat many people seated above him on the way to uh, placing at regionals. And now he's working on track just to see what he can do there. So he's somebody that said, okay, setting goals, being confident. And he applied it to every aspect of his life. And now I'm seeing his athletic opportunities went from he might be okay to you have to be the captain of all our teams. I mean, you're the natural leader. He did not start that way. And I just saw as his mindset started shifting and he started really believing those things started coming true in sports. It started coming true in academics where he's the leader of every classroom. And, uh, you know, he's always in charge. He's always, um, you know, conquering that big test and really giving it his all. And, uh, you know, now he's working on scholarships. He's working full time at uh, a grocery store. It's just, you know, his achievements are through the roof in every aspect. I'm like, wow, okay, so mindset training can really help you everywhere. I bet he's one of those people now where people look at him and they say, oh, well, you're just a natural born athlete. You don't understand what it's like to struggle. And <laughs> yeah, he's actually had a few conversations like that. And people are like, man, how did you get so good? He's like, well, you know, it's all really in your head. And they're like, what do you mean? Should I lift more weights? He's like, well, yeah, sure. That'll help too. But you know, you really have to work on believing and, uh, you know, making that your first step. And, you know, you just see, he sets goals and people will kind of laugh at him. Like, uh, you can't really be serious, right? And then as he starts to achieve more and more of those, they say, wait, what kind of goals am I setting? Mm. I love it. That's just yeah. so good. That's a great story. And that, um, that brings us to the end of the interview, but I want to give you uh, one last opportunity to share a message with all of the teachers that are watching the Teacher Empowerment Summit today? Sure. So for all of you out there, uh, I hope you enjoyed this talk. And mindset training can make such a huge difference in your life as a teacher, in your students' lives. The more you take care of your mindset and the more that you help your students to take care of it, the more their potential becomes and the more they believe that they can achieve anything. And isn't that what we really want as teachers? To see our students skyrocket and just go beyond what they thought was possible. If we do that, we're going to be proud of this generation coming up. Absolutely. Thank you. And if anybody wants to follow up with you or learn more about the work you're doing, where can they go? Uh, we're all over social media. You can type in at Academic Mindset. Uh, we have a website, zacademicmindset.com. And, uh, you know, if you just keep following up on those updates, uh, we're very regular about telling you what we're up to and uh, what kind of offers we have out there. All right. Thank you so much for joining us on the Teacher Empowerment Summit, Kevin. Uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll hear more from you in the future, and I hope you have a great day. Thank you. You too. It was a pleasure talking to you.